Good morning, church. That is one nice mic. Welcome to Faith Community United Methodist Church in Xenia, Ohio, on this fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. Now, please take a moment to sign our attendance register, which is located on each pew. And then I'm pleased to do some announcements here. Uh, There is a special announcement from the finance office. Giving statements for 2023 are now available to pick up in the church office or on the table in the narthex today after worship service. Any statements that aren't picked up by Thursday, that's this coming Thursday, will be mailed out to us. The Mary and Martha gathering uh, will take place Monday, February 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. And if you want to, bring a favorite soup and or a dessert to share. Don't forget about Ash Wednesday worship service, February 14th at 7 p.m. And uh, we will have ashes uh, uh, put on our foreheads then. I forgot what the word was that that is when that happens. Um, Julie Wickline, Director of Education and Staff Development at Ohio's Hospice, We'll be speaking about everything you need to know about palliative and hospice care. That's Saturday, February 17th at 10 a.m., and there'll be an opportunity to ask questions there. I ask you to refer to your bulletin for more announcements, and now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
Thank you, Carol. Please stand for our call to worship. Come, let us praise the Lord. We praise God with our whole heart. God's works are great. Come, let us worship the Lord who has saved us. May our lives reflect the wondrous love of God, that all might see and know God's greatness. Amen. Please join with me in the opening hymn, Christ, whose glory fills the skies, hymn number 173. seated and please join me in the opening prayer God of power and might you sent prophets to your people calling us back to your covenant and teaching us your ways in the fullness of time you sent us your son Jesus teaching authority that your eyes were open to see your Open our hearts and minds that we may understand and proclaim your teachings for all to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, can the children come forward and join me? Catherine, can you come join me? Okay, today our theme, our theme for the, our little 
children's lesson is right here on the front of the bulletin. And a good teacher of mine one time asked me to make sure I knew how to to just make sure I speak up. So I'm going to ask you to speak. Do you? Does anybody not want to speak? Tell me now. Okay. Does anybody want to try to, to, to say the theme of the day? Does anybody want to read this? You want to try to read this? Teach the good news. So teach the good news is a the theme of our sermon today. So us children are going to be the teachers of the congregation. So congregation... You're going to you're going to be asked to raise your hand to answer one of three questions. I, and we need we need some good students, participate, participating students. But before we start, um, I think one of the greatest teachers of all time was Jesus. Um, he did teach us a lot about teaching. But can we can people who have taught school or just taught others before, please stand and we'll give you a a round of applause, and we'll recognize um, those of you that have taught. Look around you. Look around you how many people have taught. <laughs> Julie, you should stand. Julie Wickline was all, is also a teacher. And, there, and we could think how, okay, now you can sit, now you can sit. Please be seated. Because um, we teach in many different ways. Okay. This is, this is interactive and I, I want people in the pews to sometime maybe, maybe before offering, take one of those, uh, mini Methodist sheets of paper because I don't think it's used enough nowadays. And you are going to answer this question in writing if you want to take some more thought. Um, and you can put it in the offering plate. Who wants to read the first question? And we're going to have to face our class because we're teachers. You want to read the first question? Yes. Take the mic. Good tip when, when you, Speak from a night. Mike, put it on your chin. Who was your favorite teacher? Who was your favorite teacher? So you're going to take the mic to someone who is going to be raising their hand, okay? Do you want to go? Go take the mic to somebody. All right, Luke, take the mic to someone who's raising their hand. Who is your favorite teacher? And maybe a sentence why. My favorite teacher was Miss Gaffney because she was always, she was strict, but she was kind. What makes a great teacher? There's a lot of things that make a great teacher, but one is someone who really knows their students. How is Jesus an example of a great teacher? How is Jesus an example of a great teacher? As a teacher, I learned to appreciate the long pause because that just means we're thinking. We'll wait for, 
We'll wait for an example. He made you think. Think of ways new. Okay, thanks for being good teachers, and thanks for being good students. Let's bow our heads and pray. You want to say something? Okay. You were waiting for the fruit snacks, I think. Jesus, th- please, please be with us and, and bless our minds so we can soak in um, the teachings of today and see how Jesus in, is an example of a great teacher. Um, and please bless our week ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, we were going to, we're going to join the choir in a responsive reading. Join Carol in the choir in a responsive reading. Found on page 832. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord. In the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who have pleasure in them. And majesty are the works of the Lord, whose righteousness endures forever. Who has caused his wonderful works to be remembered, the Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord provides food and is ever mindful of his covenant. The Lord has shown his people the power of his works by giving them the heritage of the nations. The Lord sent redemption to his people and has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and wondrous is God's name. Please join with us. Prayer hymn number 451, Be Thou My Vision.
please join me in a moment of silence. Dear God, we confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, mind, and strength. Also, we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have been angry, selfish, and dishonest. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to love you more than anything else and to love others the way you love us. We confess that we have put ourselves and our own desires first. We have sought power, money, and fame instead of seeking you. We repent of our ambition and ask for your forgiveness. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may live for you and not for ourselves. We confess that we have not treated others with kindness and respect. We have gossiped about others behind their backs, talked bad about them to others, and hurt their feelings without thinking about it. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to be kind and gentle with others, always speaking words of encouragement. We thank you for all you do. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now will the ushers please come forward as we ready ourselves to share our bounty with God's church.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Holy One, may our gifts reveal your grace and mercy far and wide. May others learn of your faithful love through the power of your works and through the gifts we bring this day. May they also learn that you have everything to do with their lives. Amen. Please remain standing for the gospel reading from Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28. The man with the unclean spirit. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogues a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, crying and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout surrounding regions of Galilee. The word of God for the people of God. Amen.
Teach the good news. Before we get into today's scripture from the Gospel of Mark, let me tell you what I learned about the author Mark. Mark was the first gospel written around 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. The other gospels, especially Matthew and Luke, follow Mark's message very closely and are similar. Those three are referred to as the synoptic gospels. Parts of Mark's message we study today are also found in Matthew and Luke. Mark, or John Mark, was the nephew of Barnabas. He was not actually an apostle like Paul or Barnabas, nor was he a disciple like Peter. Mark was the one, if you remember, who went with Paul on his first missionary journey, and although he left the missionary journey with no explanation that we know of, he eventually became close to both Peter and Paul. And what we read today from him is based on what he learned from Peter and what he learned from Paul. Last work, last week, we learned that Jesus Christ is the good news. We learned that one commentary broke the good news down into parts. The good news is truth. The good news is hope. The good news is peace. The good news is God's promise. The good news is immortality. And the good news is salvation. I'm sure we could come up with more words that describe the good news. The good news can be very personal, and it should be. I believe the good news is not just words of Jesus, but how Christ's followers respond. More on that later. My message this morning is what we are called to teach the good news. In 1 Timothy 4.11, the Apostle Paul instructs Timothy to teach these things and insist that everyone hear them. Matthew 28.19-20 is the Great Commission where Jesus tells us, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. Christianity has lived on these past 2,000 years because so many have obeyed the scriptures and taught the good news. And the good news lives on each time that we as believers teach it. Before we can teach the good news, we must believe the good news. Just like Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, we must be willing to believe the good news. They got to see Jesus in action. For us in this day and age, we are blessed with the Bible. We carry the Bible in our purse or in our phone. And then we have commentaries sitting in our libraries or our bookshelves at home. In New Testament times, they had only the apostles, their followers, a few letters that were passed around, and oh yes, and for a few years, they had Jesus Christ. They had hearts aching for some good news, hearts yearning for fulfilled prophecies. After Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, 
And after he chose Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, he called these men to follow him, and they did. And now they are with him in Capernaum. So I'm going to read from Mark 1, 21 to 22. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I titled today's message, Teach the Good News, and that is what Jesus was doing, teaching. This is not the first time that Jesus' words astounded leaders of the synagogue. By now, he had already taught in Nazareth. And if you remember, he was driven from the synagogue there and barely escaped the deadly wrath of the scribes. That was the reason he moved his teaching to Capernaum, where we find him today. Jesus spoke with authority and was powerful enough to astound. But this time it wasn't just his words that astounded them. So again from Mark, chapter 1, verses 23 to 26. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, Came out of him. If Jesus' words had amazed the people in the synagogue, his deeds left them thunderstruck. In the synagogue, there was a man in the grip of an unclean spirit. He created a disturbance, and Jesus healed him by casting out a demon. The scripture is clear Jesus was not talking to the man. He was conversing with the unclean spirit. The unclean spirit knew Jesus and knew that he carried God's authority and was afraid. Jesus commanded the spirit to leave the man and the spirit obeyed. Imagine the relief of that man once that spirit left him. All through the Gospels, we keep meeting people who had unclean spirits and who were possessed by demons or devils. What lies behind this? The Jews, and indeed the whole ancient world, believed strongly in demons and devils. The scriptures are full of instances where merely the words of Jesus cast out evil spirits and in other cases healed the sick. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he left behind those words. Words we can share with others. Words we can teach. The New Testament alone contains the power of the word of God. I I couldn't possibly do what Jesus did, but his word is alive and his words can cast out the evil. His words can heal the sick. Are there unclean spirits today, demons, devils? What is it that makes people do bad things we read about? And many of them keep doing them. Why do people return to prison? When someone does something bad, did the devil make them do it? 
In our society, we do not reward evil. We punish evil. But evil is pervasive. Some people cannot stop. They keep doing bad things and suffer the consequences. We send them to prison. Does that work? According to a Department of Justice study, within three years of their release, two out of three former prisoners are rearrested, and more than 50 of them are incarcerated again. According to the U.S. Department of Justice Bureau of Justice Statistics, 68% of the prisoners released were arrested for a new crime within three years. And 77% were arrested within five years. Another source says that 45% of federal inmates are rearrested within five years of release. I don't think it's working, but I'll come back to this in a minute. So from Mark chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, they were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Mark continues to inform us that people who listened to Jesus were astonished, amazed, and astounded. Even the scribes and the other leaders of the synagogue could not explain the truth being preached by Jesus. Where did he get this power? Where did he get all this knowledge? Did his parents teach him this? Did the synagogue? When we study the scriptures, not much is recorded about Jesus' boyhood and youth. But he was a kid. When he was a kid, was he running around Nazareth doing miracles? We're not sure. We do know that Jesus studied the scriptures early. Do you remember Jesus at the age of 12 spending three days in the Jerusalem temple, astounding the leaders with his knowledge? Luke tells us that after that incident in the temple, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I'm sure that he studied. He started developing his reputation that soon, age 12. Today, we confirm our youth at age 12. Confirmation includes study of the scriptures and our Christian history. Jewish boys and girls have their bar and bat mitzvah at 13 and 12. They prepare by studying the Torah. At age 11, our youth can join Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. Every Monday night and on some weekends, our church is full of Scouts learning survival skills, the important of God and country, and the important of rules. The point is that Jesus embraced his religion from an early age. He studied the writings. His parents took him to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover every year. And from then to his baptism at age 30, all we know of Jesus' youth was that he left Jerusalem, returned to Nazareth with his parents, and was obedient to them. Beyond that, all we know is that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. To teach the good news, we must share it with someone. Let's go back to the prisoner who keeps getting arrested over and over again. There is a ministry called Kairos Prison Ministry that takes Jesus 
into the prisons. Where Kairos was allowed to organize within a prison, those prisoners who participated had a 10% recidivism rate versus that 68%. To me, that is Jesus working. Like the unclean spirit being commanded out of that poor fellow in Capernaum by Jesus, one by one, prisoners today are being freed by the words of Jesus. Faithful Christian women and men going into prisons, even here in Ohio, and sharing the words of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And that is just as powerful as Jesus commanding that spirit out of the possessed man in Capernaum. Jesus did it then, and his words do it today. Check in the narthex, and you will find brochures inviting you to participate in Kairos. How many here have baked cookies for Kairos? I see a hand or two. How many here? I said that. That is like Jesus commanding the unclean spirit to leave that man's body. It would take more than Bible lessons. It would take more than reading the Torah. It would take more than prayer, though, for Jesus to astonish and astound. And for that, we have to go back a few verses before he found Simon and Andrew, James and John at Galilee. We have to go back to his baptism. This is from Mark 1, verses 9 to 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This was God's announcement to Jesus. There would be no doubt that now was the time for Jesus to start his ministry. But he had a big test coming up. This is from Mark chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. We have read the accounts of the ways that Satan tempted Jesus. Forty days. I call this the big sabbatical. He did not start building his team right away. He did not start his teaching right away. He had one more stop before meeting up with Peter and the other fishermen. He had one more stop before teaching in the synagogue. He had one more stop before encountering the man with the unclean spirit. He had to get prepared, and he had to get tested. That involved being in the wilderness for 40 days first. He was tempted by Satan first. He was among wild animals, and angels then attended him. Why did he do that? Because the Holy Spirit called him there? No, the Holy Spirit drove him there. That's what the Bible says. To prepare him for his ministry, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness so he would be fully equipped to change the world. 
The Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and it is only after this spiritual testing that he showed up by that lake, prepared, ready, ready for everything the world was going to throw him, throw at him during his ministry. There to astound them, astonish them with his authority, and to astonish them with his words. We too are tested. Our faith is challenged by this world, even more today. We rush around in this demanding world and wonder why our prayers are not answered. Why are we so tired all the time? The bulletin today announced the Mary and Martha gathering on February 12th. You remember that story? Amidst all the pressure and anxiety of serving, Martha missed the sweetness of sitting at the Lord's feet like Mary and absorbing his teaching like a sponge like Mary. Can you imagine the scene? Martha is whizzing around the house, cooking, cleaning, and hosting, while Mary still sat at Jesus' feet. Finally, Martha asked Jesus to make Mary help her. Jesus, in his gentleness, says, Martha, slow down. Be still. Don't miss this moment with me. We miss the moment. We ignore Jesus when we leave the devotional sitting on a shelf. And when we do read it, sometimes we speed through it because we have a doctor's appointment or a church meeting or choir practice. We need to take the time, slow down, and trust God. All right, let's go back to prison for a moment. Cairo's team members visit prisoners and from time to time spend a long amount of time in the prison with them. Before they do that, there is training involved. They become prepared for a totally different life, totally different people, totally different rules. And then they share the word of God with the prisoners there in the prisons. It's the same words you and I read. It's the same Bible. When that weekend is over, the Kairos team then leaves. All that they leave behind is the prisoners and the power of the words of Jesus. They trust God that these words remain with the prisoners, that their power remain with the prisoners. It's like a child going off to college or the military or into mission service and on their own, except really they are not on their own. We must trust God that when we teach the words of Christ, their power remains in the ears that hear it. So today we can teach the good news to the world. All we have to do is believe the good news, study the good news, share the good news, and trust God. Amen. Now turn in your hymnals to our closing hymn, number 62, All Creatures of Our God and King, verses 1, 5, and 7.
Join me in the sending forth. You are the source of our life, our wisdom, our healing. You give us mercy, grace, and hope. You are the Holy One of God, the Savior of the world. Let us give thanks with our whole hearts. Go in peace.